and welcome to the Deuce Podcast. I'm Brad. And I'm Jeremy. Jeremy, we're doing episode 154. 154. 154. Yes. And we are doing our sneakwolves. Jeremy, what's a sneakwool? Uh, a sneakwool uh, is a term that we have made up. Oh, yeah? Uh, about a movie that isn't a sequel, but was originally intended to be one. What do you mean? Well... Uh, in our previous installment, we talked about E.T., uh, which was supposed to be the sequel to uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It was called Night Skies or something yes, like that. Yes, Night Skies or something, yeah, just like something that. similar. Or something uh, similar. It was, it was supposed to be the sequel, and uh, they were like, oof, no, they, they retooled it, and mm-hmm. uh, um, Han Solo's wife. <laughs> was like, oh, uh, needs to be more family friendly. Yes. And then she ended up being Han Solo's, Han Solo's girlfriend was like, it needs to be more family friendly. Yeah. Uh, just listen to her previous episode if you want to listen to that. But we are doing a sequel yes. to a novel this time, Yeah, you would say. Yes. I mean, it's still a movie. Yeah. But it is a novel, a sequel to a 1966 novel from Roderick Thorpe called The Detective. That would be the first installment of the novels. Yes. The sequel is a book called Nothing Lasts Forever, yes. which was later adapted to the 1988 movie Die Hard. Correct. So it's Christmas in July here at the Deuce. Yes, it is. And we are going to be talking about Die Hard. Uh, mostly, we're going to be talking about uh, how it came to be through... Nothing lasts forever. Yeah, I don't think we need to go like too into detail oh, with Die Hard. Not really. People, know. I mean, people have seen Die Hard. I mean, right? and this has been this is a movie that's been dissected mm-hmm. many, many times. It actually, yeah. the more over time that people have studied it and studied action films and things, they mm-hmm. say this is like the quintessential example of like an action movie. This is the singing in the rain of action movies. Yeah. Right. I, yeah, I'll take. Yeah, I'll I'll go with that. You know, people say the singing in the rain is the best musical. Yeah, of all time, or that people go to to yes to make yeah. their musicals agrees yeah like that. I would say that you would get like a sales pitch, um, Die Hard on a boat, Die Hard on a blah blah blah. Yes, Die Hard on a hang glider, whatever. Yes, Die Hard on a ski lift on a dinosaur farm. Yes, on a dinosaur farm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll cover some of those here in a, a few. Yes, we'll, we'll we'll cover that, but what we but mostly we'll be talking about the novel. Yeah. And how it's the same and different mm-hmm. compared to Die Hard, but basically right. we are saying Die Hard itself is a sequel because it's been uh adapted from a novel that was a sequel. Yeah. So that makes it a sneak wool. <laughs> and I, and if you spe- follow and specifically follow. so for those of you who aren't familiar with the detective uh, the movie or the, the movie book, the detective yes yeah so uh, Roderick Thorpe wrote this story um, it was kind of a it's actually credited as being an early version of a neo noir neo noir yeah, yeah because it was like a noir but it was almost like more gritty and like humanistic than some of the other things like um you know, it just started to launch it into that new variety of noir uh, films. So, but it was a 1966 novel by Roderick Thorpe. Uh, in 68, they make the movie mm-hmm. and it starred Frank Sinatra. Correct. Um, 
And uh, the the story, just rough story, is that there is a, a man they find murdered. His head is crushed. His genitals have been taken. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, but they, while they're there, they, uh, they're trying to figure out who the killer is. And Detective Joe Leland shows up. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joe Leland, who... Um, He's he's an older detective. He's been on the force for quite a while. He um, he is uh, trying to figure this out, and he realizes uh, that this guy lived with somebody, lived with another man, and so there's this idea that maybe he was gay, and because of that, then there's some conflict because how do you handle that? Do you how do you treat it respectfully? You know, some of the cops are crappy about it, like. It's got this very, like, weird uh, dynamic that starts changing because of that. And so he kind of delves into this world, uh, and he ends up finding uh, this guy's partner or housemate Mm. uh, named Tesla, who is crazy. Like, the guy's got problems. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. they arrest him. Yes, and doesn't he want to, like, he wants to invest in, like, bitcoins. (laughs) That's correct. In okay. Dogecoin. Yeah, that's him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he uh, he basically is he is a uh, guy who's got mental illness issues. They arrest him. Uh, they end up taking him uh, and, and basically sentencing him to uh, death by the electric chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, there's a guy who. Uh, a prominent guy who kills himself and the guy's girlfriend comes to the detective to Leland and is like, Hey, I don't think he meant to do this. Like, I don't think he, he couldn't have done this. Like, I don't understand. And so he starts digging into it. Well, his superiors are like, Hey, leave it alone. And like Mm -hmm. people from the DA are like, leave it alone, man. They don't know why. Um, but Leland decides he's going to still dig into it regardless. And so what he ends up finding out is that this guy who killed himself, this prominent like lawyer or whatever he was, he uh, was going to clubs and was kind of dabbling in the gay lifestyle. And so he was actually carrying on an affair with the victim. Okay. And he, once he, uh, the victim made some sort of remark like uh you know oh yeah no you're totally gay and basically told him he was he was a homosexual and the guy freaked out and murdered the victim mm-hmm. and then tried to cover it up mm. but then when the other guy got in the chair he couldn't live with himself and so he killed himself okay gotcha and so joe leland then have you he, seen this movie no or the book oh no okay. joe leland then says um his superiors are basically like just live with it. Mm. You know, basically he knows that he put a man to of the wrong guy. Yeah. He got the wrong guy, but he's being hailed as a hero and that just weighs on him. Mm. So the, the movie, you know, picked up, people loved it. It was like a big hit in 68 and Pretty ballsy uh, for 1968. Right? Yeah. There's a few movies around that time that like, were kind of like, Mentioning things where you're like, oh, shit. I mean, it's still showing, like, 
or gay people and yeah. mental illness. It's still a lot like of movies, that aspect, but like it starts getting mentioned more in movies around that time. But, but it treats but more like a mental illness than anything. Yeah. Um, but it is getting mentioned at least, which right, I guess is yeah. something. But yeah. Um. So, uh, Thorpe loved that. Like this was such a big whatever. So in '79, mm-hmm. he wrote. Nothing lasts forever. Right. And he specifically right. wrote it to be optioned as an action right. film. So in 1975, he saw the film The Towering Inferno, uh, which is about a, a skyscraper that catches on fire. If you've ever seen The yeah. Towering Inferno, just one of those disaster movies. Yeah. With, uh, you know, everyone under, under the sun in it. Uh, Thorpe fell asleep and had a dream about seeing men being chased through a skyscraper yeah. uh, with guns. So he woke up and later took the idea and turned it into the detective sequel, Nothing Lasts Forever. So because of the Towering Inferno, we now have 400 Die Hard movies, correct? Correct. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Just checking. But but he wanted Thanks, it to Towering be, Inferno. He wanted it to be the sequel. Mm-hmm. And he wrote it in 79. Not not as bad. But mm-hmm. by the time like 87, 88 rolls around, yeah. when they want to do Die Hard. Thanks, Steve McQueen. <laughs> By the time it rolls around and they want to do Die Hard, the uh, or they basically optioned mm. Nothing Lasts Forever. But they figured out the studio was contractually obligated to offer any sequels to Frank Sinatra that was like the sequel to The Detective. Oh, okay. And so they were like, hey, buddy, do you so, want to do so, this movie? Hey, are you 70? And he was 70. And so he goes, yeah. no, I don't right. want to do this movie. <laughs> You which, have me which jumping out of book, a window with a. In the book, he's he's re- he's uh, uh, retired. Yeah. So he's an older detective. He, he's like a retired detective. So he's like sixty some years old. Yeah, and from what I've read, he like tries to make him modeled after Frank Sinatra. Like this mm-hmm. guy, like Roderick Thorpe, is kind of a star fucker at this point, where he's just like really leaning into the movie aspect of this. Well, I think he's like well because if if that. Is being optioned off to him to yeah. Frank Sinatra. Why wouldn't you then write it as yeah. Frank Sinatra? You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, at one point, probably in the skyscraper, he's crooning, you know, probably. singing the old song about something, whatever it yeah. is, you know. And so I don't know what Frank Sinatra sings now. <laughs> um, I don't know why I had a blank on Frank Sinatra songs. <laughs> once, well, once he passes. On mm-hmm. this movie, then the studio's like, but we don't want to make it a sequel then with just recast mm-hmm. because it's not going to make sense. So, like, why don't we just make it its own new thing? Yeah, and I guess they didn't know the idea of reboots at no. the time. No, I mean, you really didn't. Because you didn't really have reboots, right? You kind of did. You had, like, King Kong. Yeah, but, like, that like was that, more but... rooted in King Kong. Yeah. you know, It's not like, well, that's King Kong's son or right. daughter, right? Yeah. Or something related to Yeah, like, it was... Usually you didn't restart it. If you did, it was, like, a whole new thing, and you just basically ripped it off and gave it a new title or, you know, what have you. hmm So, but this one, they decided to make it Die Hard mm-hmm. then. So they offered it to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Then they offered it to Sylvester Stallone. Right. And a number of other people before they Clint offered Eastwood. it. Clint Eastwood. Clint Yeah. Uh, before they offered it to Bruce Willis. Yeah. He was like seventh on their list. Yes, um, but you gotta remember, Bruce Willis wasn't necessarily 
a hit at that time. Yeah. He had a couple of flops. Yeah. You know, before that. Um, so he wasn't what we know of Bruce Willis now. Um, right. Back then, this is what really, you know, put him over the edge as far yeah. as like, oh, that's Bruce Willis. You know. And then later on, he ate his own tail and did, you know, diehard ripoff movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of his own nature. But... Um, from what I understand is that, uh, Thorpe was a big fan of like, um, John Wayne. So that's where you get the whole aspect of kind of like the cowboy and the yippee ki Nice. Okay. Yeah. Keeping makes that sense. involved in the script. Um, so that's how that came to be. Yeah. In a way. So you got like the Roy Rogers references. Yeah. The and cowboy. all the cowboys, you know, and then. You know, Hans, the, in the book, it is not his estranged wife. Mm-hmm. It's his daughter. Right. Who has a drug problem. And she is, um, her character name is Stephanie Gennaro. Stephanie Gennaro. Yeah. Gennaro. 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 Mm, I'm hearing Gennaro. I'm hearing Gennaro. Mm, I've heard it both ways. Have you? Because it's mm-hmm. Holly Gennaro in the. Oh right, you're right. In the movie, it's Gennaro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm all over the place today. I'm all over the place. I'm all over the place. But that turns out to be the maiden name yes. of Holly mm-hmm. that she goes by at the beginning of the movie. So she doesn't go by McLean. Yeah, she goes by that, which is interesting. And then the um, the terrace, the main terrace guy. His name is Anton Little Tony the Red Gruber. Yeah. So it's not Hans Gruber. It's Little Tony the Red. Yeah. Don't know why. Yeah. So well, and I there's think it's, that. I thought it was interesting that like the terrorists in the book versus the terrorists in the movie. Right. The terrorists in the book were terrorists as opposed to in well, the film the, just yeah. acting as terrorists. They were so the terrorists in the movie were like ego terrorists. Like right. they were basically like Sure, yeah, this they were. company is doing something shady and we don't want that. Like they're they're trying to sell arms, they're trying to do these things. They were trying to shut down a shitty company like that was really doing something bad. And it had nothing to do with bearer bonds or anything mm-hmm. like that. But I think they had to add like I think in the 80s they were like well, we're not going to make it just a preachy terrorism, you know, like a yeah. eco thing. I need to go back. It wasn't Thorpe that liked John Wayne movies. Oh. It was the guy that wrote Die Hard himself. Okay. When he when he retooled it, he liked it? Uh, Stuart himself, yeah. I yeah. Think, no. Uh, yeah. Stuart is the one that, I think, that wrote. Yeah. Yes. Jeb Stewart wrote Die Hard. Well, and it, but it has so many... Like, He's the one that, that liked... But it fits so well because right. it has so many like cowboy kind of elements to it. Well, he pitched he pitched Rambo in an office building, hmm. which is funny because now everyone else pitches Die Hard in whatever. Yes, yeah, that's what's funny to me. Right. So he I, was actually on hard times, was trying to get a hit, um, and came across that that they wanted to uh, readapt the Thorpe novel. Yeah. So he was inspired to write Nothing Lasts Forever. But uh, uh, yes. So that's how that came to be. And then he pitched it as Rambo. And then John McTiernan, who directed Predator, who himself is a Predator, 
uh, directed the movie. Yes. That guy. God. That guy. Yes. Read about him. And you'll be like, what <laughs> the hell? Read about McTiernan. Oh, Go ahead and do so, because that is a wild ride. <sighs> wild, creepy ride. Mm-hmm. Um, so some, some other interesting things about, like, the, I would say, about Nothing Lasts Forever versus Die Hard. Uh, of course, Leland is much older. He's a retired mm. detective at this point. And very, like, he's very, like, um, almost, like, depressed about... Because he still lives with the fact that he sent an innocent person Right, to he's still living with that. Um, as but, opposed to... While he's being lauded as this hero cop. He, like, went out on top because people are like, wow, he's the hero who solved these murders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But he knows the truth. And so he's like, ugh. Mm-hmm. So he goes to L.A. to visit his daughter. And when he gets there, she is... It's a Christmas party. It's a Christmas party right. still. Um, but like, instead of, uh, Mr. Nakatomi or no, what was his name? Matsuki in the book. Yeah. I don't remember in the book. It's basically like, basically like, uh, Ellis. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, Mr. Rivers. Yes. And he's like a shady, like, you know, uh, piano key necktie, Coke fueled Mm -hmm. kind of like dirty businessman. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Basically, you find out that Stephanie Gennaro looks like she might be... Mm, Gennaro. <laughs> looks like she might be just as into it as he is. Right. Like, she's kind of looking shady. And the whole scene about where, like, in the movie where Ellis looks at her watch and is like, look, she got this for this big merger and she, you know, she earned this and whatever. It's kind of that sign that she's in with their company. Mm. In the book... She bought it herself. It's right. sh- her showing she's kind of gotten into that life that she's like willingly mm. accepted it. And so. And in the movie, that it was a gift. Yes. Yeah. And so that's. It's just kind of put on her. She's not in it yet, but it's a sign that like she's mm. kind of leaning that way. Um, or that she's like starting to buy into the company. Um, and I don't even necessarily know that the company's doing anything shifty in, in the, the movie. movie. No, I don't think the company. They are, doing... they are just poor innocent. I just capitalists. think that they just they are poor innocent capitalists that were in the wrong place at the wrong time <laughs> in a Christmas party. Being Let their Christmas party happen. Yeah, they are having a fun time. They are having you know the Yuletide is gay yeah. and they are going for it. So in the in the book though, the company Klaxon Oil Klaxon Oil, yeah, yeah, is uh, they are building a bridge. In like Nicaragua, mm, Chile, and Chile. Mm. Okay, thank you. They're building a bridge in Chile, um, which is going to cause some problems and some territory disputes. I think it was, mm. and uh, they said that they're also they have some other shady goings on. Yeah, and um, so th- that that brings their terrorists to be more in like environmental. Yeah, like in a way. they're like they're trying to or prevent like this, trying to prevent this com- this bad company from mm. doing bad things. That's right. what it's about. They want them to stop doing the bad things. Mm. So very different approach. Mm. And actually, I think as it's opposed more... to like in the movie where they're pretending to be terrorists, yeah, to as a front, right, to get the bonds, right, or yeah. whatever they're getting. the bear bonds, yeah. the bear bonds, yeah, from yeah. the yeah the company or whatever it is, yeah. yeah. Um, but they also, I think, uh, 
I think that like the that plays much better as like the neo noir aspect for the book for the book because the terrorists because it's kind of gray they're bad but it's also kind of gray because yeah. they're trying to do something for the right reason. Well, I, I feel like I, when you describe the detective, it seems like that's a kind of a gray story, a story mm-hmm. that I kind of like. Yeah. Where it's more ambiguous and more yes. like he's he thinks he's doing the right thing, but it, it but the outcome isn't isn't right yeah you know and he can't change it because he's gone so far into it yeah it just seems like this is almost in the same way um but in a way it seems like almost like um not a i don't want to say purgatory but like um a reflection of like him um i don't know what i'm talking about it's like karma not karma but like uh Getting back, like, yeah, karma, in yeah. a way, but, like, scolding him or, or yeah. shunning him or smiting him yeah. in a way, um, you know, putting him in this skyscraper, yeah. you know, or Dante's Inferno. Yeah, going through the levels way. of hell yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. It's almost like, it is kind of a, a karma in a way. He he did this morally gray thing, and now he has, like, his daughter is just like, whatever, morals don't yeah. matter. You know, and kind of yeah. going on that way, so... And from, um, well, from what we know is that the novel itself is darker. Yes. So the terrorists, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot more blood, a lot more, a lot more of the hostages get killed. Yeah. There are women terrorists. Yes. That are in the book as opposed to none in the movie. Yeah. Um, I don't, well, obviously I don't think there's any hacking <laughs> involved. No. Um, but then you got, like, the hacker in yeah. the movie. Himself, played by the guy from Madlock. Yeah, you know, from Theo. Madlock. Yeah. yeah, Theo's from Madlock. I love that. Anyway, go ahead. Um, but but the... Uh, yeah, in the a lot of the action stuff, surprisingly, is the it's same. It's about the same, yeah. Like, in the book, he dives off the building and like yes. has to like shoot his way in through the glass and... Uh, he crawls through the air vents. He, mm. the first person he fights, they tumble down the stairs and his neck gets That's broken. That's true. Yeah. He puts him on a chair and writes. Now uh, he puts. Now we have a machine gun instead of now I have a machine gun right. to try to make him think there's more than one of them. But he like goes through all mm. these things. It's like so a lot of the action stuff. Yeah, it's he pretty drops on the, point. He drops a C4 bomb down the elevator. Yes. Same in the novel yeah. as he does. Which is um, which is crazy because usually like you see where a movie either amps it up or like they ignore right. big chunks of that. Right. And that's a lot of it the same. I think what they tried to do in the movie is like take out like the moral ambiguity of a lot of it. Like they didn't want No, the they didn't want to be that. From what I okay. understood, from they what didn't... I read is that when they were when um he was reading the book, the screenwriter, yeah. that he was like, How do I get it to appeal to the day's audiences? Yeah. And so that's where they changed it to the estranged wife and him trying to kind of learn his lesson and get back yeah. to, um, you know, his wife and and, uh, and all that jazz, if you know what I, I mean. So I think that, like, I think that it could have played, like, that moral gray could have played more. I mean, it still could have done that in the past. I don't but... think you have, like, if that's the movie that gets made, I don't think it's as of a hit no, as you get with Die Hard, right? No, I think it'd be because I think it would be better audiences. today. I think yeah, be more I think reception be, yeah. today for it than it was. You also have to think about like that book was written in the seventies, and yes. then the movies the like eighties, late eighties, coming into the nineties. Yeah, so it's almost like you get different decades, 
in how you deal with stuff. Like I'm watching this movie and I just was joking around going, why doesn't he just get on the cell phone and call the guy? <laughs> right. But like, that's how I think about things. So it's like, how do you make a diehard movie yeah. in modern times now? You know yeah. what I mean? Where everyone's recording stuff. Everyone's putting stuff on social media. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't have to deal with that stuff. Right. Back then. Now you do. So the whole point of like the news person in Die Hard like seems like it's almost a throwaway because that's not in the novel. Right. But in a way, it's almost branching into, you know, all the information that needs to be released out yeah. into what's going to be the future of getting information out. And it's, and it's interesting, but that, that same problem, mm. though, still exists today. Yes. How no, many times are they like, you can't, please don't put this on social mm-hmm. media. Please don't do this because people will watch themselves or mm. they'll catch it and they'll see what's going on outside in these kind of dangerous yes. situations. True. So like, it's still a problem today, but back then it seems like a sleazy thing, but now we yeah. do it all the time and we don't even think about sure. the ramifications. Yeah. The novel is from uh, Leland's point of view. Mm. So a lot that you get through the film, that's not through McLean's point of view. Yeah. Obviously is not in the film. So you don't get like, the FBI agents. You yeah. don't get a lot of well, obviously you don't get the limousine driver, so you don't get right. you don't get that. Poor Argyle. Um, yeah, Argyle. Poor Argyle's not in there. Uh, let's put Argyle in there. No, yeah. but that's you know, but that's also you know a screenwriter's technique to kind of bridge it all together to have kind of a happy ending. Yeah, you know, to have Argyle kind of like the last word. You know, but well, yeah. Um, and they do have, they still do have in the book, they have a Sergeant Al Powell. They do in the book. That is true. And it's, yeah. yes. And they also have the movie, uh, uh, Captain Robinson. I forget. I forget the amount of white privilege that is shown through the principal in the breakfast club. Captain Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gleason, Paul Gleason. Yeah. His character through Reginald Vell Johnson, yeah, and how they just play that, and I'm just like, wow, they're actually showing that, which is something that like I don't know if, like, is obviously because it's in the, in the book yeah. that he's more, you know, communicating with the officer than yeah. he is with anyone else. But the way that Reginald Vell Johnson plays it, where he's like, here we go again, same shit I got to deal with, you know, yeah. no one's gonna listen to the black guy. Right. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I kind of like that. Yeah. That they actually are showcasing that, you know? And they're also not throwing away Reginald Walt Johnson. Like, he's just the black guy that's, uh, right. you know, the cop that, well, and they that also, stumbled upon the, the scene of the crime. They and also like, portray him as you know being what I mean? like that. He's a, he's a good cop who did something bad. Like, he mm-hmm. accidentally shot a kid who he thought had a gun. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to compare that. And, like, the kind of scope of, like, oh, that was a, you know, it was an accident, but it was so bad that you were removed from the studio and whatever else. Mm. And compare that to, like, like real life today. Yeah, like, right now. When that kind of stuff happens, and it's just, like, uh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, it's interesting to be, like, that's so. But Paul Paul Gleason is such an asshole. Like, I'm just, like, God, why why aren't you listening you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's he like you notice in that movie he's not even like looking at Reginald Bell Johnson right. through most of that movie. Yeah, he's just reacting to him, but like keeping like and like 
God, I'm just like, fuck you. Just well, I think like part of it, he also partially looks down at him too because he thinks he's a shit cop because he killed a kid. Well, I get that, but there yeah. is also that that aspect, yeah. you know, back in the racial aspect as well. And I I also have to look at that too and think that that's still kind of like this, um, kind of glossy like rose colored look at like how people react to those kind of things. Like I think a lot of times now. At least now, and I can't imagine that it just suddenly started, that that is kind of like an, oh, well, <laughs> kind of thing, collateral damage kind of situation. No, I agree. Um, I think it's a very rose-colored way of looking at the, the people's reactions to those things. Yeah. You know, they, you don't get desk duty. You just get put right back. Right. You know, right. Especially um, if you're white. Right. Me. Yeah. Maybe that's the difference. Yeah, but. maybe that's the difference. Um, no, it probably is. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, well, if you don't like Gleason's character of Captain Robinson, you'll be happy to know that in the book, at the end when Klaus comes out, mm. same thing happens. Klaus comes out. Yes. Getting ready to shoot. And uh, Al Powell shoots him, puts him down. But before uh, Klaus goes all the way down, he shoots. He shoots. Uh, like a bunch of a bunch of yeah. like innocent people. Yeah, he shoots a bunch of people when he does it. He ends up shooting uh, Leland in the leg once. Mm. And he shoots... Uh, the captain dives in front of Leland to save him and gets Whatever. shot and killed. And so then Leland has is laying there in the street, basically, you know, being, again, like, depressed and, like, realizing that people sacrificed their lives and how he's shot and his... oh. And his daughter. His daughter. That's the other thing. So the scene with Gruber. Where, yeah, the scene where Hans Gruber is uh, hanging on to her watch and McLean uh, un, like, unclasps it and he goes falling. In the book, he grabs a hold of her watch and pulls her off the building with him because it's a sign of like her own greed and mm. her own, you know, kind yeah. of uh, this life has brought her down with him. Mm-hmm. And so they pull her down, and so she dies, too. Uh, and then Leland finds documents showing that not only were they building this bridge, but that they were smuggling arms and drugs and mm. all these other things. And so he knows his daughter was mm. bad. And she was signed on the documents and stuff, so he knows she was, yeah. you know, evil, <laughs> too. So, mm. so now he knows... His daughter was terrible. She's also I mean, dead. It's like he's, he's, it's like his his punishment. Yeah. In a way. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where he gets injured, his daughter dies. You know, she's she herself is being punished as well. You know, so it's almost has that weird you know aspect to it. Yeah. Where Die Hard is more like this action film. Yeah. And you not get, like the novel isn't from you what get I the happy understand. Ending and you get the yeah from yeah. what I understand the novel also reads like. Uh, you know, an action book or an yes. action movie itself, yeah. so that's good. Um, I think, like, I mean, so those, those are the big differences, but mm. you can see where, like, the studio then took those stories and were like, let's make it less ambiguous. Here's your good people. Here's your bad people. Right. We're going to make it so that there's not... The terrorists don't have a point, because even though they may be saying these things where they want to, you know, they don't like this negative stuff, really they're in it for the money. You know, like, it's like they make sure that it's black and white, basically. And uh, I think, like, to me, the novel actually sounds more interesting 
I like Die Hard, <laughs> but the I think the novel sounds interesting as well. Yeah, because the the ambiguity gets me a lot of times where I'm like, oh, like it's just what's the right answer, and there isn't one, you know. Um. So, but you know, I kind of also want to talk about like, so I kind of went down a rabbit hole. You did? I did. As we were looking mm. information up here, Shamil. What? Shamil. Shamazel. Haas and Pfeffer Incorporated. You went down a rabbit hole. <laughs> okay. So, and we've talked about some of a little bit of this before. So, Die Hard, that which was itself a repurposed sequel, mm. a sequel script repurposed into mm. a movie. Yes. They were like, wow, that was great. We should make another movie based off of this. But Thorpe didn't have any other books. So they were like, well, let's look through other stuff and see what we can find. Okay. And they found a book called 58 Minutes, which is about a man whose uh, daughter is on an airplane and is trying to land. And terrorists are not going to let it land or they're going to blow them up. And so he's holding there. These terrorists are holding it hostage until they get whatever uh, prisoner they want released. Which, which one is this? It's called 58 Minutes. And it became Die Hard 2. This is a script or a it's a novel? book. It's a novel. I don't, I'm not seeing that by a, ga- by a ga- guy named Walter Wager. Oh, okay. So this it's not a it's not a Thorpe novel. No, it, Thorpe didn't oh. have Thorpe didn't have novel other novels with Leland in the series. No, he point. didn't. But he did have other novels. That yes, he were did have other novels. Okay, that's where I was confused. Right. Okay. So when they were like, "Well, we're out of Le- we're out of you know." Detective Leland books. <laughs> so they're like, well, what are we going to get do? on it? Thorpe. So that's when they were like, well, Hey, Walter wager has this book that maybe we can use. And mm. so they optioned Walter wagers book and turned it into die hard too. Gotcha. So then all sorts I thought of that was speed. That so sounds all more like speed to me. Kind of. Well, and speed got mentioned like speed always gets called die hard on a bus on a bus. Right. Um, but it w- from what I read, it was not originally intended to be that. Hmm. It just has that kind of feel. Right. Speed gets called Die Hard on a Bus. Speed 2 gets called one of the worst movies ever. <laughs> well, it's funny you should mention that. Ugh. Because they, at this point, scripts are coming in fast and furious for Die Hard movies. Because they're such big hits at the box office. Right. The studios want to buy it up. The studio wants to buy them. They want to get the next Die Hard movie going. Mm-hmm. So they have a bunch of scripts that they keep getting, and they're like, eh, like some of them are good, some are bad, some are kind of mm-hmm. in between, whatever. So they had one called Troubleshooter. Ooh, tell me about this one. So Troubleshooter is a it's a diehard movie with John McClane fighting terrorists on a Caribbean cruise line. Speed two. Willis Bruce Willis was like, Oh, I do not want to do this. So then they're like, Okay, okay, well, we're gonna change it a little bit. Uh, and then it was, uh, it was too close to like Steven Seagal movie. It was like, you know, there's too many different like similarities with other movies. So then they went, wait a minute. You know, if speed is die hard on a bus, mm-hmm. we'll make speed two, which is like die hard on a boat. And it's perfect. Cause it was written to be a die hard mm-hmm. movie. So that's what speed two is. It's die hard. It's like a Die Hard 3 script that got repurposed to something else. What about uh, Die Hard with boobs called Skyscraper? Skyscraper? Yeah, with Anna Nicole Smith. You don't know that one? No, I don't. Oh, it's awful. It is terrible. 
I mean, it's Anna Nicole, Nicole Smith. <laughs> yeah, she was in a movie called Skyscraper. Ouch. It's terrible. Was it supposed to be a Die Hard movie? Um, no, I don't know if it was supposed to be a Die Hard movie, but it was like a rip off. It was a pretty pretty big rip off. Yeah. Well, okay, so, um, so obviously that did not become Die Hard three. It became Speed two. No. So then, mm-hmm. down the road, there is a script that is written for Brandon Lee. And Brandon Lee was supposed to be a detective paired up with this street smart woman uh, from Harlem. And the movie was called Simon Says. And they would have to solve these riddles. Mm-hmm. That sounds like Die Hard 3. The studio said uh, no. They passed on it as a Brandon Lee uh, script. But instead, they said, you know, we're looking for, we are looking for a new Lethal Weapon movie. And so the premise was, there was the uh, Riggs, who is the white cop, who teams up with his old partner, Murtaugh, who is now retired, Mm -hmm. and they have to solve these riddles. And so the white cop... Black uh, civilian, yeah, Riggs and Murtaugh, mm-hmm. lethal weapon. It makes sense, mm-hmm. but they were like, no, it didn't quite fit. Something didn't get going with it. Somebody passed on it, and so they're like, well, shit, we have the script that we right. bought, and we like retooled it from the Brandon Lee one. So now we've rewritten it, and we've vested all this writing time to fix it. And it seems like a waste, and they were like, huh. We could probably do another Die Hard movie. Jesus. So, so that's how they got Die Hard. Yeah. So it's a the Riggs, it's Riggs and Murtaugh, and it became mm. it became McLean and Zeus. What about Die Hard at a prep school? What is that? Uh, soldier. <laughs> Toy soldiers. Toy soldier. Yeah. Die Hard on a boat. Speed. Mm, under siege. Uh, well, that was the under siege. That's why they didn't want to do the boat one then mm-hmm. again also, because they were like, mm-hmm. it was too close to sure. that. Sure. Die hard on a plane, though. Passenger 57? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. there's tons of those. Yeah. <laughs> so Die hard on a mountain? I don't know. Cliffhanger? No. That's what they're saying. Kind of, but... Die hard in a hockey rink? In a hockey rink? Yeah. Which one's that? Sudden death? Okay. Anyway, Die Hard at a beauty pageant. No contest. Oh, I was going to say Miss Congeniality. (laughs) (laughs) Die Hard with boobs. Skyscraper. Yep. See. (laughs) Okay. So Die Hard in space. No. Okay. Okay. So there was another movie uh, that was called WW3.com that was written like at the end of the Mm. nineties. Like, you know how they had like fear.com. And it's sequel, fear.com backslash sequel.com backslash. So, Mm -hmm. but they had the, uh, so they had these things where they're like, yeah. So they came up with this movie called WW3.com. And it was about a cyber terrorist attack on the United States Mm -hmm. where they would initiate a fire sale. Okay. And they would basically be trying to start World War III. Mm -hmm. It was set to start or to come out. Close to, I think it was supposed to come out like in 2002, mm-hmm. but 
But because of the 2001 <laughs> terrorist attacks, they were like, why don't we put a pin in this one? And they kind of shelved it. Because they didn't want to, like, they had to, you know, adjust the way they did a mm-hmm. lot of stuff. And so, that gets put on the shelf. And then at some point, they were like, WW3.com, what were we thinking? And they decided they're not going to do it. But again, they're like, well, we just got the script laying around then. And it was written by, uh, it was written by David Marconi, the guy who did uh, Enemy of the State. Okay. So, he's got, like, some pedigree behind it, you know? Mm, like he's, Does he... At the time, those were yeah, movies no, that were viable, you know? <laughs> so so they were like, well, we don't want to waste it. And so then they were like, you know what we should do with that? Make another Die Hard movie. <laughs> so that became uh, that became Live Free or Die Hard. Okay. So they, they shelved it for a number of years, and then it yeah. came out in like 2007, 2008, something. Did I tell you they were going to cross over uh, John McClane and Jack Bauer? I, you know, I was reading about that, and people and then, still don't know if that was just a rumor. I don't rumor know if not. that was just rumor, but it was going to be Die Hard, Die Another Day or something. Yeah, something a good like day to die hard. A good day to die hard, yeah. yeah. Which I'm like, I don't know about it that. Was, that was the only one yeah. that was written to be okay, so, a Die Hard uh, to, movie. Okay. It was the mm-hmm. only one specifically What about the one where it was young titular ninjas that must use their martial arts skills to protect an amusement park? And it's guests so from real. Three ninjas. <laughs> three ninjas high noon at Mega Mountain. God, uh, who doesn't? Who doesn't love three ninjas? <laughs> I love that you're just, you couldn't get toy soldiers, but you could get three ninjas. Well, yeah, three ninjas is a little bit. Well, okay, there's there's toy soldiers, and then there's another movie that's very similar to it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was like the nineties. Falling. T- I can't remember. What it's right. Called. Yeah, the one that kind of like Toy Soldiers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's why I'm always like, yeah, I get yeah. confused with those. Yeah, no, it's fine. So, but yeah. that's, now that's going to bother me. But go ahead. <laughs> but so there's like really Die a hard. majority of the at a preps <laughs> out of the five diehard movies, only one of them was actually written to be a diehard movie. All the other ones started off as something else. So to me, it's kind of amazing that like diehard. Mm-hmm. They're just like, yeah, this whole Die Hard series, when almost none of the movies were actually meant to be Die Hard movies. To me, that's very strange. Mm-hmm. But it works. People love them. Mm-hmm. You figure out what it is yet? Movies like Toy Soldiers. <laughs> it's really going to drive you nuts, mm-hmm. huh? It's not... Mm-hmm. <laughs> falling down. No. Falling. The best movies. Wait, is it hijacked? Which one is Will Wheaton's in Toy Soldiers, right? Yeah. Okay, so it's not that one. Is it what is Patrick Stewart in Toy Soldiers? Mm, no. Is he in the other one? Is he? No. No, he's in the other one. He's in that one. Okay, the one you're I'm... talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's not a toy soldiers. No way would he do that crap. <laughs> Come on. I was, that's why I was like. The 1991 toy soldiers? Masterminds? Masterminds. Yes, yes, yes. It's called, yes, it's Masterminds. Yeah. Where he's got that mustache. Mm-hmm. No, this Trapped in Lewis. a school in which this a gang Lewis of Gossett criminals Jr. has seized control, a young troublemaker fights yeah. a cat and mouse battle from the inside. Mm-hmm. Starring. Patrick Stewart and Vincent, oh my God, Vincent Carthizer. 
my god, I forgot Keith Coogan was in that. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Bradley keep going Whitford on. was in it too. Bradley Whitford was in it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Bradley Whitford. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. So there you go. <laughs> he's playing the trailer to Toy Soldiers right now. Are you just watching the trailer? No, but I'm just... My I'm, my sister always got mad that the Martika song, Toy Soldiers, was never in the movie Toy Soldiers. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's fair. That is fair. And that is kind of fair. You yeah. got to give me... Give my sister that. Some points for I mean, that it, one. It seems like it should be. It really should be. At least a tie-in of some kind, right? Yeah. There it is, so. It sounds do you like Donald's didn't do you have... like the outsiders, but you like Die Hard too. <laughs> Try Toy Soldiers. It's it's sad that McDonald's didn't have a Toy Soldiers Happy Meal giveaway <laughs> where they gave out. Why didn't they have Toy, toy soldiers, soldiers? Toy Soldiers action figures. <laughs> That's what I want to know. Not to be confused with small soldiers. Will we? Yeah, not to be confused with small soldiers. And literally, with Joe Dante time... is that a Joe Dante movie or something? Is it? Joe Dante? I don't know. I thought it was Joe Dante. Uh, literally every time I think it is every time that we talk about it is uh, every time we talk about toy soldiers immediately I think small soldiers and I'm like wait no that's not right that's not the movie he's talking about no but yeah and I'm not talking about small soldiers right that's the 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 one where Joe Dante toys come to life Gregory Smith from General Hospital yeah and and Spinal Tap is in it yeah yeah Mm -hmm. and Kristen Kirsten Dunst. And this will surprise you, but mm. Dick Miller was in a Joe Dante movie. Dick Miller was in a Joe Dante movie? Know, it's like you're friends with Court Psyops. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think we need to do our five questions. Because okay. we're, we're, if we're talking about toy soldiers, we're done. Yeah. That is a good Put sign. A that's a good sign us. to that, pack it in. That's a good sign that the, the, the episode is almost over with. From is when I start talking about the 1991 Toy Soldiers movie. Or when we start talking about the Lewis 1998 Gossip. Small Soldiers. <laughs> that's going to be my that's going to be my hint for you in social engagements when we need to get away. Get away? I'm going to be like, "Can you believe that Kirsten Dunst was in Small Soldiers?" And I go and I'll go, "Honey, you know Small Soldiers is not a sequel to Toy Soldiers." And I'll go, "I didn't." Well, I'll get my coat. <laughs> And I'll go, persimmons are in season. Persimmons are in season. <laughs> um, no, you'll give away all our secrets. Yeah, I know, I kind of did. But go. That's okay. <laughs> okay. And that's how a bill becomes a law. <laughs> what do you think is the best part of this movie? Um, uh, I'm going to be quick. Uh, Reginald Val Johnson. Really? Mm-hmm. He's, he, you know what? This, I think it's some of his... I think this is his best work. I think he's underrated in this movie. I think everyone thinks about Bruce Willis in this movie. Everyone thinks about the one-liners in this movie. Everyone thinks about Hans Gruber um, and just kind of the the funness of it. Um, I just think this is Reginald Bell Johnson's uh, best work, and I I like watching him in this movie. I like his reactions with uh, Bruce Willis and... um, Part of my answer to another question will answer this question further. Okay, sounds good. Um, by the way, on a side note about Reginald Vell Johnson. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big, obviously you know, I'm a big CSI fan. And I'm a big mam- family matters. Fair enough. Or family flatters. Family flammers. Family flatters. Flanner family. Did I do that? Yes, you did. Okay. <laughs> so, so 
Um, in CSI, in the first season, we get all of a sudden, like, Reginald Vell Johnson shows up in a bunch of episodes as, like, a psychologist that they normally talk to. I think nice. he's, like, the department psychologist mm-hmm. or, like, connected with the city. And I was like, oh, my God, Reginald Vell Johnson is going to be on here as a regular. Like, yeah, I was why not? so right? excited because they kind of, they talked with him pretty regularly right. about, like the psychology of certain things with it or like Mm -hmm. what they might be experiencing or feeling. And I was like, please God, make him a regular. Mm -hmm. And he was in a, like a handful of episodes and then he just kind of disappeared. And I was like, Lark. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it was so cool to see him. Mm -hmm. There's a few other people like Eric Stone street. used to be a great character on there, whatever. But like Reginald Vell Johnson was awesome. And I was really bummed that he wasn't on there. But what's your favorite part of this movie? My favorite part of this movie, um, is Alan Rickman. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and not for like everybody always has his right. Uh, Yippee kaye, motherfucker! Ho ho ho! Yeah, right. But like, there are these other pieces in there mm-hmm. where like he does a lot of like when he does the accent of the American. Yeah, accents. that's funny when he does it. Oh God, no! Mm-hmm. Oh, God, no. Um, but he does like the. There's a lot more. That's kind of almost like throwaway stuff where he he does a lot with looks mm-hmm. or like asides where he's just like, and until we release whatever from the, the, the Chinese dissidents or whatever. And he goes, I read that in People magazine and like it covers. The he he says that he saw that on 60 minutes or saw it on 60 minutes or whatever. Like he does these yeah. like little asides. He wouldn't read People magazine. Whatever it was. <laughs> but he, he does these things where it's like mm. these little asides or like he does some glances where like. Uh, Ellis is talking to him, and you see like Carl yeah. starts to pull out his gun, and he's just like, "No, no." Kind of gives him the no. like, "Come on, no." <laughs> you know, yeah. like let's listen to a, him first. He does a lot of good nonverbal stuff. Yes, and even when he's got dialogue, there's the stuff that's really big that we remember that are like the one-liners and the whatever that he gives us that are always great. But he also has this kind of like. He actually does add in an element of humor with like his delivery on his lines a little bit, mm-hmm. which I think just makes Agreed. that character fantastic. I love Agreed. it. Agreed. Um, and so I, for me, Alan Rickman is the best part of this. Yeah. Why didn't you and I both not say Bruce Willis? Bruce Willis is good. I think Bruce Willis is great in this. You got to remember he was doing moonlighting before this and right. recording albums. And I, guess. and I can say like. I, I um, think the thing that I this. like with him is because too many times in action movies, yeah. your your actor is like smooth and it, like yeah, they're like badass. I'm, I'm on like, top of it. Well, yeah, like if shit's exploding around them, yeah, and they're just trudging through it or like barely flinching mm-hmm. or like you they they don't react at all. I love when Bruce Willis is uh, shit's blown up around him. He's like oh my mm-hmm. god, ah, like screaming or mm-hmm. like he's freaking out because like stuff around him is freaking him out like and he's screaming and reacting to it mm. it's excellent like i'm not gonna say like i go back and i watch this and i had a new appreciation for that i it, it took me a long time to realize that like wow like he really is doing this interesting job of like how he's reacting mm. and he to me his action star is much more human Yes, like so like, Schwarzenegger, yeah. Stallone, he's, or any of those. He's guys. taking it to, and then later on he's foaming in and yeah. other things. But yes. yes, and this he's not right. Yeah, yeah. No, I think he did. I think he did excellent. Yeah. This. But to me, Alan Rickman is hard to beat mm-hmm. with this because 
he almost does like Bruce Willis does have some like lines where I'm just like, come on out to the coast. They said we're gonna have a whatever. Right. Where he's like going through gonna have a great time. Like, but, but, Did you have to stop and do this like sitcommy? You know. Well, I'll think about it. Like, I mean, his moonlighting. I mean, right. just has that kind of like right that has to which be is improv. fine. It's funny, yeah. but and I think that Alan Rickman does a better job of of. From like controlling a movie. it, yeah, like he's got more like the way that it sounds more rooted in realism. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but both are excellent. Still, every I mean, really, the the group overall does a very excellent job. Mm. Um, I should have said Argyle. Damn it, Argyle's really good too. <laughs> yeah, really, I honestly like acting wise. I don't really find anybody who I'm just like ugh. Like even like Ellis, like I just want to slap that guy. <laughs> yeah, you do. I mean, he plays he plays the part fine. Yeah, right. His his dad, by the way, the uh, the actor who played Ellis, his dad was in the detective. There you go. As a doctor. Oh, he the actor. Yeah, his okay. the actor. His dad was there. There you go. Another yeah. connection. Um. So is the because usually we ask if if this movie stands on its own. Clearly, it's supposed to be a standalone. Um, yes, it does. <laughs> is. The connection to the first movie clear? Like, can you? Yeah, see I think. How they so. I mean, there's a lot that they've taken from it. The only thing that that kind of really is changed is the tone of it is a lot mm-hmm. less dark. Um, but I think for the most part, you get kind of what like it would be if it was modernized. Yeah. For an American Hollywood audience. Yeah. You know, and not necessarily an audience for when the detective came out in 1966. That was a little bit different. Yes. You know, we were yeah. talking about more, you know, experimental movies. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the 80s are eh, kind of. Yeah, 68 versus 88. Yeah, yeah. A little bit different. Um, I think that I can see the connection to the movie. But going back and talking about the book, I can see much a clearer connection yes but i also know that like thorpe tried to write it more like a movie script so even between the books it sounds to me like they're totally different and i haven't like read through the whole things but it sounds like there's some it's totally different between the two no i mean thorpe is not writing this for for bruce Willis. right right he's writing it for frank sinatra but he's not even it's almost like he's he's just writing it for action and not necessarily even he knows Frank Sinatra might bite mm. and then might get his movie on screen. I think he's almost just like wants his movie to be his book to be a movie again. He doesn't want to just write it for a book to mm. be a book. He gotcha. wants to be a movie. So like I see the connection. I see what's there. And so yes, I can see it, but I think there's so it's so tonally different that it's like, well, me, it kind of is on that bubble for mm-hmm. me. It's on a bubble. Yeah. Does this make you want to watch The Detective? Yes. It makes me want to watch The Detective. Our descriptions and our um, digging deep into what The Detective and the sequel is, uh, as far as the novel's concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it makes me want to watch The Detective. I'm really interested in, in it. Yeah. Um, but I also want to know and can kind of compare the two like main characters yeah in that way in that aspect yeah more than doing et and the close encounters thing yeah like that never that just seemed like maybe that was totally kind of like broke off into something that that it wasn't yeah this 
in itself, I could kind of go, let's compare the two and go, because like, in a way, this is a noir. Yeah. I don't think it's a neo-noir. No. But it's like, kind of has that noir yeah, it aspect. It has some elements to yeah, it. Yeah, it has elements to it, but I think, you know, I think I'm interested. Are you? I'll take the bite. Yeah. No, I'm very much interested. Yeah. I'm actually very interested in uh, the books themselves, mm-hmm. though, too. Like, it kind of makes me want to go back and read them, just so I can kind of get a understanding what the original intention was with some of it. <laughs> You're mocking me. Over no, there. I'm not. <laughs> but no, Don't I give think... away our secrets. <laughs> when he's no, talking, I think... I'm not mocking him. <laughs> it's just constant. I just cry most times. <laughs> he's making faces. Anyway, um, yeah, it does make me want to to watch that. Yeah, can um, b- before we no, <laughs> I have kind of a bonus question. No, would you five like to questions? See... You are given five questions to me, and we shall not have six questions. No, go ahead. Would what would you think about them, basically, remaking the detective, but moving it into like a Die Hard prequel? And kind of tweaking it, and the detective into a diehard prequel, like moving that. No, I think I want to see, I want to see, um, nothing lasts forever more than I want to see a prequel to Die Hard. Yeah, I actually want to see a proper, like nothing lasts forever, um, like sequel. Yeah, I want to see, you know. I don't know if you could at this point. I don't know if you could either, but I want to see it. That doesn't yeah. mean I don't want to see it. Yeah. I just want to see it. You which, know what I mean? Which I think is basically that leads us to our other question, which. Um, but I've thought about like how, like, you know, cause obviously Bruce Willis is getting old. So I've thought about like actors to like yeah. play John McClane, like at a younger age, Yeah, you know? And, um, yeah. And um, I thought of, and the only person I can think of is Jensen Ackles. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. I could do that. Mm-hmm. But that's why I was asking if, like, him, instead of a, you know, a younger version of him, who would we see? I could see doing, like, that's why I was asking about the detective. It could be called mm-hmm. whatever. But, like, basically taking that book and adapting it to be a prequel to no, Die Hard. Because it's, it's not a Die Hard movie. It yeah. seems like it's more social conscious movie. So, okay. no, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I got you. you know, it's not, it's, you know, what, what is it going to be? Die hard on a street? Yeah, maybe. You know, it just doesn't seem right. Die hard to the streets? Yeah, no. Okay. So, um, which kind of answers the other question that we had. So normally we say mm-hmm. reboot, continue, or cancel. Mm-hmm. But we, in this kind of, for the sequels, we've changed it to, would you rather see have seen this or the intended sequel? So it sounds like you would rather have seen... No, I mean I would, but that's because I'm more in. I'm more into that those movies. Yeah, I'm not necessarily into uh, Die Hard. Let's be honest, Die Hard is bitten off its own tail. Yeah, you know, like everyone, it's formulaic. Everyone knows. Yeah, everyone knows when you're watching a movie that this is an action movie that kind of has a Die Hard esque yeah. quality to it. Like we we say Die Hard on a. Yes. Or Die Hard in a blank. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I want to see more of an art house Die Hard movie called Nothing Lasts Forever. Why not? Yeah. And I think, like, it's so hard because... Yeah, I people think, go, I think well, this, this is, is so Die Hard. I think this is like, so well, iconic you. that, like, you know, it would be tough to make a, 
a live another day or nothing lasts forever movie because it would be so because the action is so yeah. exact like it was difference between night skies but, and et because those scripts are so freaking different that you could make both of them and you wouldn't know i think these but are, I th- these are completely different too I mean, but the book's the called the book's the called same. The Detective. Right. This is called Nothing Lasts Forever. Right. It sounds like a James Bond movie. It does. You know, it sounds like an action movie. Yeah. The Detective sounds like a neo noir, right? Hard nosed, like asking. slow burn. That's not what I'm asking. I know what you're asking. But okay, so if you're saying you would you would like to see Nothing Lasts Forever, what I'm I saying do. is, wouldn't that be too difficult to make because because the action in it is spot on for what's in Die Hard. No. So you're okay I'm, I'm asking, with the exact I'm asking people to make an art house happening. Die Hard movie. How hard is that? And if someone goes, well, this is just Die Hard, then they don't understand the history of Die Hard. And I don't give a shit. That, this movie's not for them anyway. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's for me. Only me. Audience one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that will definitely be worth the budget. But... Um... Some of your experience in two words. A buddy cop. And this is where I, where I go back to Reginald Vell Johnson. Yeah. I think this is actually a buddy cop movie. Die Hard is a buddy cop movie without the buddy cops being in the same room together. Yeah. Because they're so, you know, kind of go along with each other and kind of have that, like, unspoken communication towards the end of the movie. Like, they don't know what each other look like. And then all of a sudden, when they see each other, they know, like, he knows that guy's been through shit. And the other, the other guy goes, yeah, that's him. Yeah. You know, they, they hug and they say, thank you. Boom. And then he saves his life. Right. Yeah. Like, one last time, you know, when he comes, he comes through. I just think that this is, like, I think Die Hard isn't Die Hard until Reginald Bell Johnson's character gets that call, grabs those Twinkies, and heads to the tower. That's when it becomes a diehard movie to me. Yeah. And that's when it becomes more of this like buddy I, cop chemistry yeah. that I like and that I see it go back and forth. Right. And that he's he's like he's he's speaking for John McClane because because everyone's like, What if he's one of the terrorists? He's not. I know I know this guy. Yeah. This guy has been burnt. This guy doesn't like authority. I know people like this, you know. Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. You know, and he's trying to help him that way. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is my reason why I think Reginald Val Johnson's character is the best part of this movie. Okay. Um, I think for mine, uh, I think I would say, hmm, Hollywood treatment. Yeah. And, and the reason I say that is based on, you know, we're, we're talking about it in the frame of, you know, what it is and how it was as a sequel. Like, Obviously, they kept the action the same, mm-hmm. but the whole aspect of like, well, he's a morally ambiguous character. His daughter is morally ambiguous. The terrorists are morally ambiguous. Like you have all this ambiguity, but Hollywood was like, let's strip that away. Yeah, let's let's clean that up because it's either. Because one of two things happens. Either Hollywood is just not playing trusting people to be able to deal with the ambiguity. Or they get in front of... Sometimes test audiences don't react well to that. They want good guys and bad guys. They want happy endings. Like, 
how many movies do we watch where we're like, wow, that happy ending feels really tagged on to the end of that. Come to find out, a test audience didn't like it, and so they added where, oh, yeah, this exploded, but then they came out of it and were okay, you know, like, because <laughs> the test audience didn't like that maybe the character died. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it really, it feels like they took the original one and we're like, we love so much about this, but we got to clean it up because right. either the audience will react poorly or we don't trust the audience to mm-hmm. react well mm-hmm. to the ambiguity aspect sure. of it and so they took out that ambiguity which is something i personally like but i get it like you know they're trying to appeal to the widest variety mm. instead of making the movie for the one they're trying to make it for the one million and so i get it you know is the one me yes yeah 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 but that seems like is something that to me i'm like boom i would have like i would go oh man this movie is great because like it just, you know, kind of happens, you know? It's like one of those movies that just happens, you know? And um, I love that ambiguity at, at, towards the end of the movie sometimes. Some people hate that because they want an ending. Yeah. That's why I think that they, ch- you know, changed what they change. And uh, Die Hard, yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, okay. Now uh, I looked to see if Toy Soldiers was streaming anywhere, just for our listeners. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Jeremy, where can people find us? So uh, people can find us at thedeucepodcast.podbean.com. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Google Play, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts, all those kind of podcatchers, most of them. Uh, you can also get us on Facebook and, of course, uh, find us on Twitter at Deuce Podcast. Uh, in addition, if you go to nophonynetwork.com, that is our podcast or like our uh, podcast network website, mm-hmm. we have all sorts of different programs on there um, from our podcast mates, things that are ranging mm-hmm. from literature, comedy, um, sports, politics. I mean, just you name general it. talk, you know, anything. Mm-hmm. So go and check them out. Go check them out. But before that, you can rent Toy Soldiers for two ninety nine. Can you rent Masterminds? I don't know because I'm not going to watch that movie. How dare you? How dare you not watch Toy Soldiers with me? Can you can you rent Small Soldiers? I don't know. You probably could. But why rent it when you could own it for twelve ninety nine? I say own it. Don't those names seem like they should be reversed? Yes. Small soldiers and toy soldiers. Yes. Okay. Yes, they should. You understand why I get confused, right? Um. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Join us next week when uh, we ask the question, did seven almost have a sequel called eight? Find out. Who knows? But for now on, remember, the sequel is king. Side is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It doesn't show signs of stopping, 
And I bought some corn for popping The lights are turned way down low Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow When we finally kiss goodnight How I hate going out in the storm But if you really hold me tight